0: extemporaneously speaking I can go out into the weeds yes you yeah I'm
1: just gonna tell you what I'd like to know and then I'm gonna just sit back and listen oh well, all right okay do scientists ever consider that the winding down clock of the Big Bang might have first needed to be wound up (laughs) do they have a theory that adequately encompasses the growing life-giving properties of the human body Or do they see the body in entropy, nothing more than forces that are winding down and dying? How would science be different today if instead of asking why did the apple fall from the tree, we asked, how did it get up there to begin with? How is it that our bodies are renewed each night when we go to sleep? What is it that we need to sleep for, physical and psychological health? What is happening, Thomas, when we sleep? What makes a plant grow and organize in a fashion that goes on indefinitely from seed to plant to seed again? How does a tiny acorn, which fits right in the crevice of your palm, become a mighty oak simply by being planted in the earth and receiving sunlight and water? Where do these forces come from? What are these forces?
0: You've given me great latitude. Now, normally I go out in the weeds. I'm going to go out into the ethers on this one, I'm afraid to have to say. I hope you can uh, hang onto your hat and follow. Entropy and ectropy, what you've, that entire thing is asking the question of why don't scientists study ectropy instead of entropy? The death of things, they study entropy. Why don't they study the life of things? Is there a single, uh, I, there are a few, so I, I need to qualify that. But where do you see anywhere in science where they talk about studies on levity? where in science do they actually describe the forces of life and the way that carbon gives up itself in the, the natural kingdom to build everything we see and and how does in the human body you know silica and calcium trade places this is what they should be studying ectropy which means life giving and so they're going to say well we know that with the plants you know it's the sun well it's the same with the human beings how come they haven't studied What sunlight does to you and then how that creates your dreams and how it creates the images in your mind. How is ectropy, in other words, what is the mechanism for ectropy, for levity to create life so that we can start to study life now, not just the way that ions are exchanged as one substance changes into another. And, you know, the the principles of thermodynamics, complete nonsense that there is no such thing as a newly created matter, and that uh, it's just complete nonsense. We have to remember that the science that we believe in now, it is a belief. It is secular humanism that is so materialistic that it completely limits the human scientific experimentation to the five senses. And those are going to not take you very far because even the basic uh, forces of science are in fact unseen they're invisible we can see them as they manifest into the three-dimensional world sometimes for instance with electricity we can see a spark from one gap to an across the gap from one point to the next but we're not actually that's actually the air we're seeing lit up we don't see the air we don't see water technically we see its container we everything is invisible that is really a major force whether it's warmth light atomic reactions what we'd call valence or what in spiritual science, we would call sound. And then life, what is life and how, oh, well life is DNA, really? Well, can you explain DNA that half of it isn't even written on? What's the other half for? And we barely understand DNA, we can manipulate it so that we can basically handle things that are again, entropy, dying, the clock winding down. And First off, imagine for yourself, somebody being so psychotic that they're going to tell you that the entire universe at one point was a ball, a very hard ball of mass that is no bigger than your hand. It can fit, in fact, in the palm of your hand. And that exploded. And we're still in that explosion. And that created everything in the universe. That is, What is that? That's not even as good as the mythologies that are out there. So what we're talking about, entropy is in fact the ethers. Now, when you say ethers, you get into some very, very mysterious areas. It gets so mysterious that um, I don't even know where to begin. As a matter of fact, soon I'm going to be um, giving a talk on this very topic, and I've been working on it a lot. Uh, There's also a lot of material that will be in the description box below um, this broadcast. But when we talk about the ethers, I think we should get. um, I'll wait for your next question because, boy, if I launch into that, I'm going so far out into the ethers, I don't know if I'll come back.
1: Okay, well, before you go into the ethers, I'd like to read something that Rudolf Steiner said that maybe you can talk about because in this book, The Theory of Everything that you've written, there's a lot of um, examination into the cycles of seven. And this is what Rudolf Steiner wrote We, together with the earth, are within these interpenetrating spheres. Seven spheres mutually interpenetrate one another and we grow into this interpenetration in the course of our life Are thus bound up with it. Our life from birth until death evolves out of its basic endowment while the star spheres in a certain sense draw us on from birth to death. And and before you answer it, folks, just sit back and think for a moment. Have you reached the end of your evolution as a human being have you ever thought about what is it to be a human being and what do we evolve to become and why is it that science seems to want to put a cap on our evolution and they only look at our physical evolution who are we becoming as humans
0: exactly and if you know that we are only in the fourth stage of seven then and that real birth comes in the fifth stage when you actually get to see what is the intent of all seven stages. You see that in the monarch butterfly and we put that in the book because it's such a perfect example of the way that uh, a first generation monarch butterfly only lives for a few weeks. Same for the second and third generation, but the fourth lives for uh, can live for a year, flies to Capistrano or Mexico and comes back, makes one of the most incredible flights of, of any, certainly uh, insect and even birds comes back to the same plants it was born on.
1: Well, you know, Thomas, in that description of the monarch butterfly, which is fascinating and I want you to continue discussing this as as we were putting the book together, I kept reflecting back on these MK ultra symbols of using the monarch butterfly, realizing that they probably at some level sense that the human being does evolve into something, but the um, you know, the people that are trying to hold back up human evolution, these retarded uh beings are trying to force that into something that of their making and that's why we see it attached to mk Ultra when really it should be attached to something that is pure and divine and full of goodness and light
0: so true and and we're going uh, so many people believe that our evolution is with uh, artificial intelligence and machines that's deevolution that's going back into the mineral realm, back into the animal and the plant realm, and simply taking our humanness back into the stages that are coincident with our own being. So the human being has the mineral, the plant, the animal, and the human inside of it. And someday we are going to evolve into angels. Some people will devolve back into animals and probably using machines to help them do that.
1: Because actually these choices reside within you, In Each moment you live, whether you're going to evolve as an angel or an animal, it's in the decisions you make every day.
0: And the mystery of the cycle of seven, as you point out, is at the heart of everything. And so we keep uh, always referring back to the spiritual axiom that all manifestation happens in cycles of seven. All phenomena is created by vortices and that the microcosm, the human being, is a perfect example of the macrocosm, the whole cosmos. And so if you look out of the cosmos and you're trying to figure things out and you're using you know, the CERN Collider to try to figure out particle physics that go back to the moment of creation, notice that they change those theories all the time. The Higgs boson uh, God particle that they thought they found, they didn't find that. That's all myth. The fact that there'll be an artificial intelligence more intelligent than human intelligence, that's a myth. These are science myths. So what we did when we wrote this book is we, uh, the book uh, Eternal Ethers: is a new theory of everything or a theory of everything. Sounds really crazy to say that we're writing a theory of everything, but what we're doing is we're revisiting the ancient theories, current theories, and showing that it is very clear that the entire scientific mythology can be explained by ancient texts if you can understand them and then can be applied in today's world. And that's what people uh, would imagine is that the myths of the ancients have nothing to do with the modern world, but they have everything to do with it and we prove it in this book.
1: Well, let's get back to the ethers. Uh, Rudolf Steiner says that the sentient body would not be able to perceive it. It is the sentient soul that really comprehends the variety of etheric currents running through the physical body.
0: That is a profound statement. When you start quoting Steiner, oh boy. Okay, so let's talk about this.
1: Well, you want to talk about the ethers?
0: The body. We all acknowledge we have a body but we don't know how it stays alive. We have to sleep at night so it can be rejuvenated. We're all just a bunch of little babies. We're barely little hatchlings, that's what we are. So we have to sleep at night, one third of our life, some much more. To do what? So that a life body that's inside of you can basically rebuild what you destroyed while you were awake during the day. It's really very simple. You have a life body called the etheric body, and then you have a body. Now. I'm going to throw this out right now because this is extemporaneous. If you have a female body, then your life body is male. That's why you can have babies. If you are a male, your life body is female. Then we have another, we're going to come back to the etheric body because that's what this is all based upon now. But first, we must look at this the astral body, the body of desires. Oh, you say that to humans and they go, oh yeah, I got that, I understand that, that drives my life, that controls me, that's my emotions, that's the, those uh, feelings I can't control, those are the, that creates my dreams and the nightmares and the beautiful hopes and fantasies. Oh yeah, I got that. I can imagine that there's this astral light because when I see a desire or when I hmm, close my eyes and imagine something, you're kind of seeing light. Now it isn't technically light, It's uh, we can go into great detail as we, if you want the details of that, go to book two of the Gospel of Sophia and we describe it in great detail. But that inner light is a reflection of the sun. So we take the sun and we transform it. So that astral body can be pretty much understood in a kind of general way, but where does that astral body in the daytime? What does it do? That astral body. Oh it drives you. You have to go to work. I have to do this. I have to get some sex. I have to get some food. I have to get my addictions. I have to get this drink. I have to drink, this, smoke this whatever. I have to do, take this pill. I have to that. What is that? Astral body. In the daytime it drives you. Sometimes drives you crazy. So everybody knows that. They have one. Can you see it? Well, sometimes you're so angry that it's on your face like an animal uh, Im- image, or sometimes people who are sensitive can sense your astral body. But so we can say, okay, we have this astral body and at night, what happens? Well, we'll discuss that in a second.
1: I I'm just gonna say uh, for folks, you see, you can see your physical body. You cannot see your etheric body or your astral body but you can can, um, see the results of the activity of the astral body or the etheric. I love this quote here from your book. And by the way, let me remind folks that all of our books are free. We make them in a PDF format so you can download them. We don't want to live in the New World Awakening all by ourselves. We hope that other folks will join us and read these fascinating books. But let me get back here. While the etheric body is firmly rooted in the physical body as normally it is, its vibrations cannot act on the brain sufficiently to become conscious because the physical body, with its coarser rhythms, conceals them. So folks, just because you can't see this, which Thomas is explaining, doesn't mean it doesn't exist.
0: Correct. And the ast- the etheric body is what you do every day. It's your habit. So, The coarser activity of your physical body, what is it controlled by? Your habits. What established your habits? Your astral body, your desires, your feelings, what you believe in, your religion, all that. But then there's another body, but it's not really a body. It's the microcosm is the macrocosm. It's the perfect example of a singularity that is a 3D holographic image of the cosmos, of the whole, when we look out into the world, That's what I'm calling the cosmos, all the way to the stars and beyond. And But uh, so much of what is believed about that is sheer mythology. So let's get back to reality. Reality is, you know you're different from another person. Generally, your thoughts are yours. You have an interior world, you have a soul. So you have a physical body and a soul and you have a spirit. And what controls the spirit? You could say the astral body kind of controls the soul, doesn't it? The desires that you have, whether they be pure, religious, divine, transcendental desires, or whether they be the base seven uh, deadly sins desires. Doesn't matter, that's up to you. That depends whether you go to heaven or hell, become an angel or an animal. But the ego, so we call it ego, or the I am, or the ego body. So you have one, but it's not a real body, and it's invisible. It's what, when you take yourself into sleep, that's why you stay who you are and when you wake up you're the same person generally unless you're psychotic or whatever so generally that I am goes from one day to the next into this deep dark realm of the night of sleep where the etheric body has to rebuild the physical body it's so busy doing that it actually works harder at night the etheric body because in the daytime the astral body is just killing killing the physical body literally and at night you restore it, so it's like the Holy Grail. The etheric body restores the body, like the Holy Grail of this cauldron of Caradwin or Anwen or all these cauldrons where you fight in the daytime, and then the soldiers thrown into whatever's in that cauldron cooked, and then in the and then they jump out in the morning completely uh, renewed, and there are no wounds, and their body parts are all back together. What is that? The etheric body. So what's the battle era doing in the daytime? That's your astral bodies. But you have an ego. So the ego goes out at night when you sleep and it separates and it takes what? Your astral body. It doesn't take your habits. It doesn't take your smoking, drinking, addictive habits or your praying, meditating, uh, beautiful kindness and giving and sacrificing to others' habits. No, no, no. It Those remain with your body, trying to be have the etheric body restored. So your I am says, oh, well, I have to... Keep conscious while the astral body in your dreams works through all that stuff that you really didn't work through very well in the daytime. So if you're afraid, you may be chased by something in your dream. Or if you're very greedy, you may be longing to get some more gold in a palace in your dream or whatever. So the point is, you have these four bodies. How did you get those four bodies? And why are they different? And could we call them dimensions? You could.
1: Well, some call them levels of consciousness because Mm -hmm. as you become aware of each of these bodies and they become tangible to your perception, remember, again, it's not something you see physically with your eyes. It's a matter of spiritual perception. Um, Eastern traditions often speak of a land where aspirants can directly encounter these ethers. They're called, sometimes you see it represented as Shambhala, Tashita heaven, New Jerusalem, Eden regained. And reaching this land is the goal of the path of self-development.
0: Absolutely. Mount Meru, to Heaven, the seven-story mountain, endless. You name a tradition, and I can name you a description of it that goes to a rarefied realm, transcendental, insinuating that you've been there before and you're going back like a home. And this realm Rudolf Steiner calls the realm of spiritual economy. It's the etheric realm around the earth. So the earth, yes, when you look at the earth, it looked as if the earth was going to spin until the sun goes out and then it dies, whatever, whatever. So death, 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 the winding down clock of the cosmic uh, astrophysicists who are all a bunch of mythologists who just want to put their name on a theory that is going to be transplanted or supplanted, excuse me, uh, within less than a hundred years, sometimes now within less than a few years. Gravitons, for example, Oh, Einstein's gravitons have been discovered. Well, where do gravitons appear in Einstein's theory? Oh, Einstein's theory of the uh, propagation of light is always at a certain speed, cannot go beyond that. Oops, totally blown out of the water. In lasers, you can go 10 to 100 times faster than the speed of light, Mr. Einstein. And Einstein says that there is a continuum for all light. That means everything we perceive in the cosmos... He determined by the perception, the eyeball, one of our five senses, of light, and that he imagined that what happens on the Earth imagines and goes on in the cosmos. But not a single scientist that I have ever encountered, and you witnessed this, when uh, an astrophysicist, one of the top ones of the top universities, Ivy League, sat there and said he didn't know what the luminiferous ether was. Well, then you're an idiot because... Einstein's theory of general relativity, all of his theories are based upon the the pre-existence of the luminiferous ether.
1: Yes, and I remember that very well, that occasion where we met with that University of Michigan highfalutin professor who told us about his theories, and then you went in and told him about his theories, he was set there, he was stunned, he had nothing to say, And thank you very much, Douglas. We haven't been invited back to those dinner parties anymore. (laughs) But um, something else, too. Uh, Folks, you know, I I know as a little girl, I was fascinated with the movies that they ran back in the day about Shambhala. I just knew that there was a place other than this physical world that we see. And I wanted to find a path there. And also, and this was long before I started reading these things in spiritual science the elemental beings of the gnomes the undines and the sylphs you know that would gather around that i would see as a child and many of you out there may still have a relationship to these elemental beings so we don't see these beings with our physical eyes but what is the experience that they bring to us
0: you uh, always ask the most difficult questions and that's street. the reason that we have had to write seven books because it took seven books for us to answer the questions that you demanded to have answered and make them applicable. So here goes, gnomes of the earth, undines of the water, sylphs of the air, and salamanders of fire. What are those? Why are they living beings when those elements, science would call those elements, which we call earth, water, air, and fire, they would call them solid, fluid, aeriform, and plasmic. Plasmic meaning that which is heated, but you can also have cold flame. So you can, there's plasma in your blood. It carries the warmth of your blood. So there's plasma. That's the new science. So when I say plasma, it's, we would call that fire in the ancient times, but you could also call it warmth. So what is the difference between these elements? For instance, the Greek philosophers believed and they fought over this, which was the primary element? And the one who fought over the element that was primary, that created all things. He said it was fire. In the end, threw himself into an active volcano to get to go back to the primal element of fire. The one who water, of course, you know, the one for the earth off of top of a mountain, killed himself. And so you have these philosophers who believed in these things, but they didn't believe in the thing that could go between them. And that's the element that they don't name. It's called the quint- quintessential element. It's called, in the Greek philosophy, it's called the being, because it's a being, of ether, A-E-T-H-E-R. And ether was male and female and was born from an egg. We have demoted that being to call that being Eros, the being of desire, and later demoted the being to being supposedly a child of Venus, who wasn't even born at the time of ether or Eros, to Cupid, winged, with a bow and arrow that neither man nor God can resist in all fear. Why? Because desire can control even the gods in the Greek mythology. So you have this being ether. They don't want to talk about ether. Well, in the ancient philosophies, it's called Akasha. And Akasha ether is also called the mother. She's the mother of all the ethers. So from one ether came all seven ethers. And now we only look in even when we say ethers, we're also talking about the tatvas and the magical elements of, literally, of the magical tradition. We're talking about the elements of the alchemists. We're talking about these living beings who work with the elements, but you are trying to animate them. Why are we trying to animate them? Because we can't control them.
1: Well, well, let's go back to these elementals. How does that? How do they fall into relationship of this cosmology that you described in your book, The Theory of Everything?
0: Uh, they're below the human, and we should... Con- come to control the first second third elementary kingdoms those would be the kingdoms that we would see in a mechanical way as electrostatic energy which fills all of space all of the cosmos electromagnetic energy which is uh we know what that is fallen light really it uh but it's fallen into magnetism and then the the elements of gravity but beyond gravity there's when we say gravity we're not even talking about the recent discovered gravitons we're not talking about einstein's uh uh, uh, relationship to gravity. We're talking about something that in the future, we're going to understand that the vibrations the, uh, coming from each of the very bodies, whether it be so in our own solar system, planets or suns or other stars, each of them are actually creating a web that, that is part of us. And there's nothing in the cosmos that is not in the human being, period. But the human being is not who we're going to become yet. We still have to develop in the human, in the in the planet. Look, let's look at this. The planet incarnates four times, and creates the solid, fluid, aeriform, and then the. Well, it's complicated. It's we'll have to name it.
1: Why don't we just hit warmth, it at-
0: light, sound, and life. And yeah. when life comes, humans come. Before that. Those were like dimensions or beings who donated the substance that we needed to now have a planet to stand on and stars to look at. Those are all illusion. That is all us. There is nothing foreign out there. But when we understand that we can control inside of our own bodies, because we can't control these elementals outside of us, who controls the gnomes? Who controls the sylphs? We have mythology, legend, When you control the gnomes, what happens? They make the most beautiful jewelry out of the most beautiful metals or we get the hardest metal ever, adamantine or mithril or all these different things from the gnomes. They have amazing wisdom. Well, what are the gnomes now? Those are our computer chips. So we are being tricked by gnomes to use our iPhones and we don't even know gnomes are in there. Same thing with the air. What are we doing with the air? Well, we're sending electromagnetic frequencies through the air, vibrations really that are not health giving for the human being. And then what are we doing with the next level? Well, we'll get there in a minute. Warp, light, sound, and life are all in the human being. We need to control them. So there are etheric forces, etheric streams, that are running through the human body that once you learn to control them can actually develop other streams of energy, etheric energy, that during your daytime can actually cause a fantastic life to come to your etheric body and at night then you would uh, benefit from that also. So we need to control our astral body so we can control our etheric body and we do it through our ego and that can control our physical body. So there's these step-down transformations, but if you don't understand the etheric and you, and you don't understand you gotta control your astral body through the seven virtues, seven heavenly virtues simply extinguish the seven deadly sins. You don't even have to worry about them anymore if you develop the seven heavenly virtues. That controls the astral body, and if it- But
1: those are personal choices. Yes. You make the choice of whether you sin or whether you live the virtues, and that's what we're seeing in the world today. We cannot overcome all the evil in the world by President Trump just signing some executive order. This is something we have to do in the hearts of ourselves.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, Betsy, because our bodies are a liquid antenna, standing upright and broadcasting and receiving. So yeah, we're being bombarded all the time, but those of us who are thinking angelic thoughts are in fact radiating them out. Not only when we contact these higher beings through the etheric realm, whether it be Shambhala, the realm of spiritual economy, the etheric realm, the realm that Christ is reappearing in, which is the etheric realm. So if you could look into the etheric realm now, you would see that Christ is there fighting to make sure that the living body that surrounds the earth causes the earth to go on. Otherwise, human beings have the capacity at this time, because we've been given an I am, an ego, to destroy the earth. And we have been working very hard to do so, but it's pretty hard to kill Gaia, Rhea, Mother Earth. And so... Um anyway, we could get into the fact that it's the higher ethers don't come to the earth. Because really, when you're working on the ethers, you are working on the magical substances that cause life. You are working on ectropy. You are working on levity. You are working on that which is ascending, that which is going into the future, going back to where you came from, but transformed on a higher level. That's the whole mission here. And if you don't do that, well, then you can become a slug or a worm if you want. You can become any kind of animal you want.
1: You said it here, page 54. Consciousness is beyond space and time and is the intent of evolution that humans evolve into spiritual beings who are not limited by either.
0: The sixth and seventh ether don't come to the earth. They stay outside our atmosphere. If you could rise out of the atmosphere and directly... Through a shield, a very simple shield, which I've described in a book, I mean, in a description called The Fairy Tale of the North. Um, we call them biospheres. So, if you rise up in a biosphere and you're able to, through this lens, receive the sun, then you get the higher forms of what are the two ethers, which are called the sound ether and the life ether. Now, that is the future, but some people can do that now. In, to a certain degree they're actually reaching into the future reaching into the transformed th- uh, third and fourth well, the well ether we do s- this sound in the
1: internet all the time i'm always saying the internet is beyond time and space
0: down here we are trying to replicate a mechanical form of consciousness that directly comes to us from the sun and the stars so yes, we are creating a mechanical form of that. we're actually creating kind of an anti-sun being. We're creating a realm down here for an anti-sun being to actually come down here and more or less take over the mechanicalized world. Well, that's what we're fighting against because right here on this earth, Christ is fighting in the etheric realm to, renew, to keep it renewed and to keep it strong. And that is true for the human being. As we're being bombarded, so is the physical realm of the earth. So your body is under attack the physical earth is under attack. And in the future, the remedy is there, but it may not be on the surface of the earth is what I'm trying to say. It's in the atmosphere around the earth. So when we can learn to directly take from the sun, the sound ether and the life ether that are not fallen, that is the tree of life. That's the reason we can't reach them. That's the reason the Garden of Eden isn't here right now. went behind the stars is the story and it will descend later. That's the reason to get to the tree of life. It has been taken from us. What do we have? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. So the other warmth and light ether are down here and we have the fallen sound and life ether down here on earth. And we're making a mess of that. So that's the reason that we don't have access or don't know about the risen sound ether and life ether. And that's the trick. Now, how do we get there? Here's the simple thing and we could even end after this because it is this simple. Your hand is a perfect example, example of the five ethers that we're working with now. And by the way, the reason we have five ethers the earth is in its fourth incarnation. The humans right now in its consciousness is in a fifth stage. So we are advancing and right now we're supposed to really be understanding these things and reaching into a new science of the etheric so that we can create a science of life instead of a science of death. But if we look at the palm, if we look at your hand, the thumb is the Akasha ether, it's the mother. And the four other ethers are warped and light, they go out, they're levity. Sound and life on the earth go down, they're gravity. And they're always fighting with each other, they're polarities, there are two sets of polarities fighting, but the thumb can go in between each of them, can't it? And it can also go beyond the little finger and beyond the other index finger. So you're looking at the akasha, the thumb, and the other ethers. And it says the mother is always having to settle the fights between the brothers the way that it's read in uh, the ancient Vedic scriptures, which I was going to read to you because they're beautiful images that if we just simply take them and work with them, it will lead us to all the answers that we need. That's the reason many times we're able to predict discoveries in science that they miscalculate what it, or mistheorize what it is that is really going on, like magnetic flux transfer points and such things, which we have described. And uh, it'll be shown that Rudolf Steiner was correct because he's working from the wisdom of the ancients. So your head is the Akashic ether. Your thumb is the Akashic ether. So your head going down to your foot, to your arm, to your other arm, to your foot and back to your head, is one of the patterns of the etheric formative forces coming into us that enlivens us every day. Also the etheric force of sleeping at night. Psychotic people don't sleep at night. Most of the people who get locked up in juvenile detention facilities, from my direct experience, which is quite a lot, they have sleeping problems. Everyone who has sleeping problems will eventually have some psychological problems. That's just a simple fact. So your head, is like the Akashic ether, it's kind of more perfected. And you can see that your arms and your legs are kind of doing the work of what comes out of your head and your heart. And so you can kind of see that in the human body, the ethers are written, it's even written in the palm of your hand, and it's written also in your organs. And so the book that we've produced describes all of that and gives you a cosmology, but even more importantly, it points to the fact that the etheric body must be understood if we're going to understand the past, the present, and the future. And once you understand the etheric body, then you can even make projections of what's going to happen in the future and with the help of Rudolf Steiner.
1: Is that why you're so smart?
0: Uh, that I use Rudolf Steiner's ideas and the ideas of the ancients. Is and so that why I, you
1: can see I, so far ahead of what's happening in the geopolitical world so that we can begin our research to report on it?
0: Yes, because it is the same old patterns. It's the patterns of the seven deadly sins. Or if we're looking at religious divine things, it's the pattern of the the heavenly virtues. So we as human beings just simply have to get a hold of these ethers, have to get a hold of our etheric body, and take it over. Because as we take it over, it gives us new capacities.
1: Can you tell folks about the stellium in January and about what we're seeing going on in Washington right now?
0: Even the planets follow these patterns. And when you read the book, you're gonna see that. We describe how the planets are created. How they work, how they follow the sun—the very pattern of the sun and the and the uh, solar system—was described by Rudolf Steiner first. Uh, the galactic, supergalactic center, of the mass—he uh, he found them first. He found he described all these things. So many of the times that you're hearing what we're saying, I'm speaking directly out of um, the followers of Rudolf Steiner and Rudolf Steiner's teachings. So there is a stellium, a group of planets, all but I believe Moon and Uranus are kind of gathering. Uh, Uh, near Capricorn, uh, zero degree Capricorn in this coming year. And that'll happen in January, February, March. So hang on to your hat folks. We're going to see probably one of the most exciting times we've seen in many, many, many years. And we're gonna see things rise up that we've never seen before. And if you're hanging on to the past, it's gonna take you down like a millstone around your neck. And if you're ready for the future, you're gonna rise up like a phoenix out of the ashes, which of course comes from an egg which, of course, is a reference to ether, which is a reference to Eros and what we were talking about. So we are at that time. We are at a 500-year mark when the phoenix rises from the ashes. And we told everyone, with the direct solar eclipse coming across America and another one coming in a couple of years to make an exact cross in America, in, in the heartland of America, and that it's directly related to Trump's chart, the first one, Trump is the phoenix. And our time is the phoenix. And you're the phoenix. And so though it looks as if there's a lot of dross that has to be burnt off, good. Burn it all off. That's what the that's what the warmth ether is for. Burn it all off, because fire is the most holy and sacred thing. It was there along with uh before there was space, there was a, a different type of space called akasha. Before there was time, there was a the thing called duration. So their consciousness was before time and space because consciousness was there during duration and there during the Akashic space, which is the mother, which is usually called the deep uh, or chaos. And out of that chaos comes an egg. That's us folks, that's our, uh, that's our ego. And we are that winged being who comes out with the bow and arrow. And everywhere that Eros shoots the arrow, land is created, water is created, mountains are created, sky is created, everything's created. Well, that's what we do with perception. We are Eros, we are the Akashic, and we now have a theory called the Akashic theory, as well as um, a variety of other theories which are clearly described in the book. There are theories that now describe this, and now the scientists are going back. There's hardly a new scientific theory that doesn't say etherons, ethers, gravitons, gravitons in the ether, ether is in every new theory. Finally, they're acknowledging the ether.